RPS powered by Seth. Welcome to the weekly review on RPS, the radio show where two grumpy adult men and a gifted, hopeful, positive young mind discuss some of the hottest and most relevant issues in pop culture. Today's show is titled Business as Usual, The Rock Episode. Yes, ladies and germs, you heard correctly. A modern, contemporary, award-avoiding 2020 podcast dedicating some airtime to that Jurassic genre called rock. Is it still alive? Is it buried under layers of fossilized minerals? Are there any new bands around keeping the flame alive? Has it crystallized into diamond form? Well, today, Ben Cardew and Marvai Verdu and myself will be reviewing some of the evidence that may answer these questions. Behind the controls, we have Andre Vladignat, a.k.a. Andre 3000. And speaking of business as usual, Kylie Minogue has just released her 15th album, as you'd expect, it's a very danceable affair, which we shall review as our album of the week. We'll also talk ACDC, Machine Gun Kelly, Youngblood, and Miley Cyrus, among other things. These days where our liberties are slightly suffocated for the better good, we keep looking to artists for some relief in our humdrum existence and it's very nice when they give us pe- they give us the people what we want. Isn't it nice when you get what you've expected? That might explain the success of delivery service, I might add. You order and you get what you paid for. What's the last thing you ordered in the, in the postmar? You're laughing. Um, <laughs> I ordered uh, sunscreen for my face because I don't want to age. I'm only 23, but I'm scared of aging. Well, Why'd you get that through the post? Uh, be- because uh, I'm also a millennial and I don't know how to go to the pharmacy and buy just directly. <laughs> I, I'm like, Amazon, yeah, it sounds very easy. Easier than going just two minutes down the street and getting it for myself. That is, this, you know, I'm scandalised. Ben, isn't there like a pharmacy on every corner in this city? Haven't you yeah, noticed? Yeah, very bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, there's about two within two minutes of where mm. I live. Yes, exactly. That's why I live in the city. I don't live in the country because I can't be asked <laughs> to go either. and do things like that. I like having milk on my doorstep and sunscreen. What's the last thing you ordered in the post? Uh, it was a t-shirt. Was that long ago? Um, or during COVID? It was... Uh, oh, no, it was during COVID times. So that's because it took ages and ages and ages to, to arrive. And I kept getting loads of emails saying it's in Madrid. And I was like, well, what use is that to me? I don't live in Madrid. And eventually it arrived, yeah. In fact, it was a, it was a child's uh, football football shirt. Well, psychologically, I think that's that's it. It's uh, the, the feeling of getting what we want. It sounds very petulant and very like, me, 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 I want, I want, I want. But we need it more than ever now, right? Uh, because nothing is satisfying. <laughs> we, we can't do anything. We can't go to shows. We can't, we, we can't go to the gym. Okay, you can go out to the park. You can go out for walks. But anyway, what could be more giving the people what they want than Kylie Minogue releasing an album called Disco? Ben, what did you write here? <laughs> Oh, the spontaneity. (laughs) (laughs) By my calculation, roughly 64% of Kylie albums could very legitimately be called disco. Uh, So She's very, very, very disco. And so here finally is a Kylie album called Disco, which, I mean, it's just a magic example of giving the people what you want. You can just imagine the marketing meeting, can't you? Right, Kylie, what's your new album called? It's called Disco, and everyone's like, right, let's just go home. That's it. (laughs) Do you like? We don't need any marketing. It's a Kylie album called Disco. 
Well, I mean, back in May, she announced she was making an album of grown-up disco, which is what caught my attention. For some reason... Is there any other kind of disco? That, like, what, what's youthful disco? You know, I love disco, but what's like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think you need to say grown-up disco, because as far as I know, the kids uh, don't listen to disco. Is that true? Mark, come on. No, tell, because tell when I was listening to Ka- this Kylie album called Disco, I thought, oh, that's the older version of Dua Lipa being disco. So the, maybe it's grown-up disco. She's the mini Kylie, Dua Lipa. Oh, that's true, Dua Lipa. Even yeah. though uh, physically, <laughs> yeah, Dua Lipa is two Kylies <laughs> tall. <laughs> not, to, not to shame or anything, you know, Kylie's wonderful as she is she's perfect um but it's true Dua Lipa has mentioned many times that she uh, Kylie is one of her main uh, influences she is su- she's such a legend Kylie sometimes we forget because one of the things that when you look back on her amazing almost four decade career is that she's never ha- been too risky she's never been done anything too vulgar she's always been just polite enough and she's always been very remem- she's always being remembered as a very nice uh, megastar. She's an absolute pro. Have you met her? Yes. She's so nice. She's exactly. She she's she's really genuinely polite. Not because you're a press uh, a journalist who's going to write about her music. You know, she really is a genuinely very uh, well-behaved person. You don't sense any kind of diva attitudes, any kind of it's funny because even people who've worked with her, no one has a bad word to say about her. Like, you know, there's hundreds of tales about Mariah Carey being a bit <laughs> abusive, Madonna being abusive, etc. You know, proper divas, you know. But Kylie is uh, not that kind of diva. Do you know, I wonder sometimes if we don't appreciate her because she is so nice. I think sometimes we, we underestimate that. You know, it's like yeah. nice is almost seen as like a, uh, not an insult exactly, but it's hardly like a, something you want. You actually kind of want people like to be all, all divish, you know, whereas Kylie's like, oh, it's Kylie. I mean, like, I guess in Britain it kind of helps the, or doesn't help, that we grew up with our neighbours, you know, or people of my did anyway. So, you know, we were used to her. She was like the girl next door and neighbours and we, we, we see her that way. That obviously gave her a massive platform, but at the same time, Sometimes I think we underestimate her for that, you know, because she's a global pop star. She's been a pop star for like 40 years or something ridiculous. She's an incredible person. And then we're like, oh, yeah, she's quite nice, Kylie. But she is nice, and nice <laughs> is great. Nice is great. We need more nice in this day and age, you know. We, we, it's, it's one way of defeating the, neg- the, the, the incredible amount of negativity there is out there and the troll behavior. It's like, look. Look at look at Kylie. There she is, still doing it. And obviously, um, every review that I've read about this album, everyone talks about last year's career-defining Glastonbury headline performance she did in the in the Legend stage, right? You know, it's a it's a slot that they usually reserve for for heritage acts. You know, Lionel Richie, Barry Gibb, uh, Dolly Parton. And all of a sudden, Kylie. Uh, she killed it obviously because all she has you know how many hits does she have that's what you want in a festival show isn't it when you go and you know you're sort of casually you can't decide what you you know you've you've had your dose of experimental up and coming emerging bands and all of a sudden it's like please give me some crowd pleasing out an hour of cloud crowd pleasers and there she comes with joined on stage by nick cave chris martin from coldplay etc etc all the people she's made music with and uh it's it's it She's she's afforded herself the right to make an album that I think is a bit uh, underwhelming for what she's been capable of in the past. Yeah, I'm going to say, right, the thing about 
maybe we'll, we'll get onto this later. But I, I want to put it out here right now. It's like, think about when people give me what I want. Is It's a bit like eating five bags of crisps, which is definitely what I want to do, but kind of makes me feel a bit bad about it. And I almost sort of really respect them for giving me what they want. I almost don't, which is entirely my problem, not theirs. But do you know what I mean? Yes, that kind of like, totally. oh, that, that's entirely what I want. Like... I suppose yeah, that's the annoying thing about fans, isn't it? They want that that little <laughs> bit extra thing, that little new thing. They didn't know what they want, but yeah. like it becomes what they want. That's and that that must be so annoying. It's like, well, you said you wanted disco, and I gave you disco, and this isn't quite. And like, so for example, Kylie Minogue's last album, Golden, right? Um, she went a little bit country and western, doing something a bit different. And my thought was, yeah, I don't know about the country bit of this. I kind of like the disco bit, and now she's gone like fully disco again. And I'm like. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a bit, <laughs> bit too much of what I wanted. It's because it's the type of disco she's gone for. It's very early 2000s Ibiza style, Ibiza style house. You know, the bass lines sound like presets. There's not enough oomph. Uh, I, I miss some real bass playing, like some Bootsy Collins kind of bass playing. Uh, the, the remarkable thing, I guess, here on this album is that Kylie went DIY. She learned to edit her own vocal takes using Logic Pro. So, because of confinement and everything, so I guess that's a good thing, you know, that, that she's even closer to production independence. But uh, of all the songs, I can't say there's one that I can't get out of my head. <clears throat> See what I did there? <laughs> Mar, what did you think? Um, I Yes, I, I completely agree with both of you because I was like, oh yes, I, I love this, it puts me in a good mood, but at the same time, it's too much not too much not i don't know how to explain it you feel like you like you said you ate a lot of something that's good but it's uh, too much just give me something kind of different or unexpected there's nothing that you wouldn't expect on the album i think you can predict the next song and the next song and the next song hmm. it doesn't mean it they're bad but they're predictable I see. I've got a theory. Can I lay you with my theory of Kylie Minogue? I seem to have theories of everyone we talk about, but I've got one. All right. Do you want to hear my theory of Kylie Minogue? Basically, to be an enduring pop star, you have to release a brilliant, world-beating song every five years. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, if you look at Madonna, right? Obviously, she had all those brilliant '80s hits, and then she came back with like music and things like that in the '90s. Mm -hmm. And while she was doing that, she was like a world-straddling pop star. Now, she hasn't done it recently. Okay. Or, or or Prince, for example. You know, during the 80s, he had a lot of world-dominating poppies. In the 90s, he had things like Diamonds and Pearls. Then then he didn't. And that's... I love Prince. I love Madonna. I've got nothing else. But they, they, they sort of slip off the pop ferment a bit, right? Mm -hmm. And Kylie Minogue did this for quite a long time. So Kylie Minogue, she started off with, with sort of... Um, the big pop hits like Locomotion in the 90s she hit what's her best period for me uh, Step Back in Time What Do I Have to Do Shocked things like that uh, uh, then sort of mid she had Confide in Me and then she basically went to the 2000s was spinning around and particularly Can't Get You Out of My Head and that's an incredible run of songs every five years like a sort of global pop hit and since then she hasn't had them right like there's not as you say, there's not that standout song on this, I don't mm. think. No, there there isn't. But obviously, this is the thing. She's giving her fans what she wants, and she has a legion of fans all over the world. And a lot of these artists do that. A lot of the artists we're going to be talking about during this show are artists who are still big enough to fill very, very large venues or stadiums even now without having a major super pop hip to get the new generations on board. But what I felt is, whereas Madonna 
lately, every time she's she's trying to adapt the new pop tendencies into her music, right? She'll work with Diplo, she'll work with uh, Maluma, for God's sakes. And it just sounds very uninspired. It's like, oh, who's the big hitter right now in this? What's trending? Latin music. Okay, who's the big guy? Maluma. You know, there's not, there's not really any kind of spiritual poise or anything going on uh, in that shipping. But with Kylie, she's never gone for those easy, cheap tricks. Well... Well, there was the indie album. Remember the album she did with the Manic Street Preachers? That yes. was kind of the one time where she really, I think, was, was trying to go for something that didn't feel like it was her, whether it was or not. I and don't she, know. She was a lot younger. And I mean, you know, when you're younger, you're more insecure, shall we say. And, you, and you, you, you're probably more risky because you, you don't exactly know where you want to go. So you think, okay, I'm just going to try and experiment. And that really did was a good experience for her because even though it was her lowest critical point uh, in, in album sales and in critical reception, even though a lot of uh, music journalists started to take her seriously, uh, her record label, I think everyone was kind of, must have given her a bit of grief because all of a sudden that made her go and come back with, um, was it Showgirl? Not Showgirl. Uh, after well, that. The, the album with Can't Get You Out of My Head and all the, all the stuff that came afterwards. Now, that was a few albums after. She came yeah. back with Light Year, then she had Fever, basically. That's it. But the thing is, like, Kylie Minogue, it sort of it's, it, it pushes the limit of what pop music is. Because obviously pop music is, is popular, right? Mm-hmm. And Kylie sort of is popular and sort of isn't. Like, if you look at where the uh, songs in this album have got to in the charts, um, it's absolutely nowhere basically um i mean we're talking like in in britain where she you know is a massive star i think it's like gone top 100 or something mm-hmm. like that in spain pretty no. much nothing i would guess and then so it's kind of like but she is really really popular with with people but she doesn't seem to have like an impact on the wider world is that right yeah i think like you said um she's doing it for the fans blah 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 but i think the smartest move would have been having a hit that well i, I think she she tried no but having a hit that goes on charts and then people who are not your fans who are maybe just listen to you for this song maybe they would get um to listen the the whole album or a little a few more songs but this way for example me i i wouldn't have gone to her album because i I wouldn't even have known that she put an album out because I'm not a huge fan that is up to date to what she's doing. So you have to have that hit for people to go back to you and think, oh, yeah, Kylie Minogue, that, that, that singer, yeah, I remember she exists. <laughs> but uh, I, she failed to do that. So I don't know if she has that big of an audience to to be able to do that, this album only for your fans. And I don't think it was her intention to do so. I think she was... She thought she did a big thing, and, and I really like it, but I, I wouldn't have known it. It was out. Um, and still, a lot of, she's, she deserves a lot of credit because all of the songs are co-written by her, and as I said, she learned to produce her own vocal takes so she could uh, carry on producing within confinement. So, you know, there, there's a lot of good work made on this record. There are very good pop songs. They are, and it's all bangers there's, from start to finish. This is a dance record. There's no, there's no moment for lying on the couch and sobbing and holding roses in between your teeth. <laughs> but um, 
I learnt the 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 verb of shipping in modern parlance. Uh, Mark, would you explain what shipping is? I like how you learn a new slang term every episode now. <laughs> um, shipping, uh, which I didn't know was a slang term. I thought it was just normal English. Well, because shipping usually uh, the old term is uh, you know the transporting merchandise on a boat from That's one country to another. That's what I understand by shipping. Are you about to blow my mind? To me, shipping is when you, for example, have a favorite celebrity duo who are who really get well with each other and go for dates but not they say to the public that they're no, not dating so you ship them together like oh i ship so and so so much i want them to date because they would be such a, a great couple and i ship them like um, for example i i, I oh ship <laughs> ariana grande and Davidson if they were not dating before that and or whoever uh-huh so yeah so it's almost like remember when there was that kind of fan fiction trend exactly exactly uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. fans would dr- dr- dream up it was a, it was a, it's even a seriously uh, con- considered a literary current no it because is. some people it's wrote so some good. really good I, I basically learned english thanks to fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> did you read the dodgy ones of people having it away with other people Yes, that's only the <laughs> yeah, only yeah. kind of fan fiction. Tell us the best one. Um, oh, it would be difficult. I I would have to go through my old Tumblr, but some Twilight one I get. Robert Patterson yeah. having his way with a werewolf or something. I I don't remember exactly, but there's a movie now that's basically out of a fan fiction. So respect for them. Which movie? After it's a One Direction fan fiction and it was a bestseller. Now it's a movie. It's uh, this whole thing and it was a fan fiction from. Wow. Well, speaking of shipping, my yeah. I've for years I have been shipping Kylie Minogue uh, as a professional creative relationship with Luke Steele from the Sleepy Jackson, most known as Empire of the Sun, because he. Uh, Luke Steele has a very good way with high-pitched vocal melodies and he's a brilliant pop song writer, right? Both Sleepy Jackson and Empire of the Sun are some of my favorite they made some of my favorite albums ever. So, and plus they're, they're both from Down Under, you know. So how has this not happened yet? You know, even though the Empire of the Sound, uh, the Empire of the Sun uh, synth pop is become a little bit dated by now by today's standards, I still think that Kylie in a room back to back with Luke Steele would make some incredible songs together because there's even a Sleepy Jackson song um, which I, I I would ship in my head that it was the, 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 the female melody which was actually sung by him was actually Kylie's um, so I'm just going to put that out there Kylie Minogue please get in touch with Luke Steele he doesn't seem to be doing much these days either uh, so just charming I don't know I don't know they, he hasn't they haven't put out an album in a while now even though they and, and obviously touring is a no it's been a pandemic on exactly <laughs> yeah but these kind of artists Kylie she had a whole album out exactly I know I often wonder what you know she can afford to not do anything <laughs> during a pandemic why bother because <laughs> she loves it that's what that, well this is why you wouldn't do if this amount of time you didn't love it you know which is why I I hate saying anything bad about this record because it is extremely generous on her yeah. part to learn logic which is a pain in the ass I might add <laughs> it's it, once you get the hang of it it's fun and it's great and it's and, and and it's good to edit your own vocals but it's so lovely working with technicians like Andre and and Rob and David doing all the all the work for you <laughs> can I can I just say I do actually like this album I found it a little bit underwhelmed but I do, I do really like it there's some really good songs and like say something and and, and last chance and 
And in fact, do you think we could just have a lit, little, uh, little listen while I think of two people I want to ship? Because I want to get in on this uh, on, on this craze. Now you've introduced me to it. Okay, let's have a little, little bit let's of Let's have play. a dance. Fashion and attitude, right on the money. How about an interview? Talk to me, honey. Was just about to walk out. Turn my body right round. If you wanna get down, boy, let's have a ball. This is our last chance for the first dance. Bring your body close. So if you got a minute, then the DJ gon' play my song. The one that'll stress me on. to say the, these are the cringiest lyrics on the album <laughs> let's save our last dance it's, a, it's very ABBA isn't it and she admits it but yeah. in a teasy it's it's very Ooh, another an, another term I learned from looking at gossip rags and stuff uh, was wine mum <laughs> which is <laughs> wine mum it's basically they were calling poor Billie Eilish because they caught a photo of her oh, oh, uh, just sort of go, I don't know shopping for gasoline or something uh, all of a sudden well they, they just said Billie Eilish looks like a wine mum and I thought what 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 horrible thing to say to Billie Eilish again they're trying to body shame her but the term it, I immediately got it's like that kind of the, that typical mum who always has a glass of Chardonnay in her hand because you know she's <laughs> sick of dealing with three children screaming all the time I don't know it does wine dad exist Yes, of course I am. Must. I am that it's person. We are, it's yes. a genderless term. You can be a, a wine mom. I'm a wine mom. Don't a wine mom. We're all wine moms. Definitely a wine mom. <laughs> Look, it says, according to Google, a wine mom alone is someone who likes a drink to take the edge off of parenting. Oh my See, God, I'm a right. wine mom. <laughs> Who's willing to poke fun at that fact. But en masse, wine mums have come to represent for some troublesome trends in modern parenting or even comfortable middle-class complacency. All right. Oh, yeah. Like the one I was talking about in my Ariana Grande (laughs) review. Can can I say, I found out a a, a term this week as well. It's got nothing to do with anything. (laughs) Landscaping. So, traditionally, landscaping was, you know... Gardening. Gardening. What is it now? It's it's a dignified way of calling a a garden. (laughs) Uh, Trimming or shaving body hair for aesthetic effects may involve tanning too, which is why the fact that they had the uh, Trump's... Bunch had their uh, press conference at a landscaping <laughs> place was all the more funny. Oh my god, that was so funny! It really was. That was story of story of the week. My god. So Ben, you you wanted to ship some some more artists. Oh yeah, um, I wanted to ship. <laughs> I, I I was trying to ship Neil Tennant and Kylie Minogue. Haven't they worked? Yeah, together? they have. That was the problem. That was the problem. Well, you're but way back in. After Stock Aitken and what? What are? What are? No, that long ago actually. Water apparently, <laughs> in 1999. But then they've done they've done it a few times. Um, so I think they're around for tea at each other's place all the time. I think that aren't they BFFs? Kylie and Neil Tennant. It just makes a lot of sense. They're both very polite and lovely people. Do you know what? I think they are, but I, for some reason I had it in my head that maybe like they were that perfect couple that hadn't actually worked together, and then it turned out they had. So you know, that's that's a shipping a ship that is docked. Let's yes. not get into docking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, c- continuing to speak of examples of people who or artists, bands who give people what they want. Well, another example also happens to be Australian, ACDC.
Can I propose an exercise? It's just occurred to me. It's just occurred to me, right? We're going to do it on, on the fly. All right. So the reason we started talking about ACDC is we were looking for an album of the week, right? And they've got a new album coming, um, which is not released at, at the time we speak, right? Called Power Up. Okay. So that kind of like cast it out as the album of the week, right? But what I would like to do is I'd like us to review the new ACDC album now, having heard just this song, and see how accurate we get it. We can come back next week and see how accurate we are. Very good idea. It's a, it's a very easy exercise because they've they've been making the same album for what 40 50 years <laughs> okay so and i don't mean that in a bad way they are giving they have they're a band that are successful because they have constantly been giving their audience what they want and that is a very very large and global audience yeah. Mark, what do you reckon to the new acdc album power up I haven't listened that much of acdc so listening to this song is like maybe the I don't know, a handful of time I've heard them, so I'm like, oh yeah, I, I like it. But maybe if I had listened this kind of song or this specific song a thousand times, maybe I would be like, okay, I get it, next. Can, can I ask some, a, a not too personal question about your family? <laughs> what, what does your father... What is your, your mother a wine mum? <laughs> is your mother... <laughs> does your mother like wine? <laughs> is she a woman? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, good but, on uh, but like, what would what, when you what did did your dad play music in the car? The thing is, my my family didn't listen to that, or I I was kind of mm, deaf or something. But I don't remember my family listening to all that much music. I remember introducing myself to the world of music. Like, okay, so since no one is being my music dad that everyone has, and everyone is like, oh yeah, I used to listen to ACDC with my dad or um, Led Zeppelin or whoever, but I, I, ha I don't have that experience. I do have that, but <laughs> I do not, have a, do not have this music culture that my dad he, There's not a single, like what music do you associate to him? Is there nothing that he... Like classical he music? Oh, uh, serious uh, dude. He's a serious, oh, okay. Okay, serious music. Right, I'm not being put off my concept. Johan, what do you think of the new uh, ACDC album, Power Up? It is great. It sounds exactly what I've been expecting uh, since, they, since their last album. The riffs are there. The production sounds exactly the same as all of their previous <laughs> albums. Um, Brian, I would ne Brian Johnson, I would never have guessed that he's been deaf that he went deaf because his uh, his voice and his vocal range is still up there. I'm always suspicious that they might have even used some of this technology that's going around that m gets to uh, mimic old uh, defunct artists. Uh, marks out of 10? Oh, I'm going to give it a... Say 8 out of 10 just for being <laughs> as great and, and predictable as always. <laughs> I'm going to say... It's a confident return to form to that classic ACDC sound. Seven and a half out of ten. It's their best album since the last one. There we go. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a week and see see if I'm if I'm correct. And I like ACDC. I'm not I'm not being rude, but I just think it is one of those things you could potentially have, have reviewed without ever having heard. I mean, it's it's like the great artisans, right? You wouldn't ask a Savile Row tailor to design you a shabby tracksuit, right? So you wouldn't expect ACDC to do anything other than that classic rock tavern sound that they've been peddling for decades. And if this Pfizer mag vaccine, or however you pronounce it, is as effective as we all hope, ACDC will be able to look forward to a very successful world tour if their health allow allows because I think it's it's so remarkable what they achieved with their last tour 
I mean, come on, how do you overcome a lead singer going deaf, right, and having to pull out? Then one of them dies, rest in peace, Malcolm Young, and uh, they, they get an, an incredible substitute uh, in Axl Rose, who has to perform in a broken, uh, with, a, with, a, with a leg in a, in a cast. You know, almost all the tour he was sat in a chair. And even so, they got glowing reviews. Everyone was ecstatic. I have friends who went to see them in, when they played in Portugal, I think. And it was like, wow, it was an amazing show. You know, from start to finish, you didn't miss, you didn't, you didn't notice the fact that it was these very elder men, uh, practically in wheelchairs, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is amazing. And I guess part of the allure for a lot of the fans who, stu- who, who, who flock to these concerts is seeing that you don't have to drop the towel just because you reach 70 or 70 or 65 like Angus Young. You know, drop, if he- drop the towel. Drop, uh, tirar la toalla. Oh, right, right. It's an expression. Throw for, in the towel. Throw in the towel, exactly. Sorry. You don't have to throw in the towel, you know, just because you, you get old. Uh, if, if, if Angus Young can still run around stage like at, at his age, well, I'm sure a dentist can be expected to hike up a hillside without wheezing too much. Wow. <laughs> hike up a hillside. But you see, I, I feel slightly conflicted about, about ACDC. Like, I mean,. I'm not. Do you think? Do, could you argue that it dilutes what they've done to keep on keep doing the same thing ever and ever and ever? I mean, I think basically, for me, there are bands that they could just like carry on churning out exactly the same, and I'd be happy forever. Cool. Like Kraftwerk, do yeah. whatever they like, just so long as they sound a bit like Kraftwerk, I'm kind of happy. They released like they're one of those things. They released an album in like I don't know, two thousand four, four. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember exactly, and it just sounded just like Kraftwerk, and I was very, very, very happy with it. ACDC, I, I don't know. It kind of like it, I have a slight, slight problem with it. It's just almost like it kind of just exists to get them playing in stadiums. I don't know. Well, this is the thing, Mark. I mean, I, I, I sometimes pity your generation because, <laughs> like, when, when we were growing up, we had incredible examples of different generations of rock uh, bands, stadium bands, right? I'm talking about stadium rock, right? I'm not talking about punk rock or grunge rock or anything. I'm talking about stadium rock power chords riffs incredible um, clothing and hairstyles and attitude and and all this and i remember being a young you know very very young like 11 or whatever watching that queen tribute concert at uh, wembley arena when freddie mercury had passed away and uh, that was like a, a, an incredible moment for me because you had in the same stadium in the same lineup you had guns and roses you had queen obviously performing with different singers you had um Metallica opening the show before they started with the, the the show dedicated to Freddie Mercury. So all of a sudden I'm seeing all these like incredible powerhouses in a in a massive stadium and it made a lot of sense. And I I imagine setting up one of those concerts now. You know, who are the sort of bands around? The same, just like you said, they're the same, but in wheelchairs. We can go to the... <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, you know. But, but they, they still have the energy, so it's like, okay, the, the, the Rolling Stones, last tour, 59 years on the last tour, but we can still see them. So it, I think uh, as long as they're alive, we can have this rock experience, and then if we can move on to newer things that are not exactly as this kind of rock people but they're alive and still doing it so we can still enjoy it yeah but usually there was always a regeneration there was always like a band 20 years younger picking up the the pieces 
left behind and making something new. Obviously, we... The, I'm, I'm going to think off the top of my head. The last example of a young rock band that came in furiously through the door was Arctic Monkeys, right? When mm -hmm. they came with uh, whatever people say I am, that is what I am not. You know, their performances, yeah. their videos, the way they have progressed with each album, you know, get, getting even rockier and rockier until they got to Tranquility Base, which is my favorite album, curiously, and it's not rock at all. But um, it's, an, it's an example of, okay, that's a band that was picking up pieces and doing different styles and stuff and 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 you you'd go to their shows and you would see parents with people my age or whatever no uh, you, you know elder people were into them it's like oh yeah these guys are and you would see a lot of young 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 people wanting to start bands because of them but now i don't see a clear example of a band indebted to the classic rock genres I feel like it's very difficult to become a rock um, band because it's it feels like it's very gatekeeper, right? Like uh, the Arctic Monkeys managed to be in this like status of being recognized, but I bet there are bands now. But it's difficult to achieve this recognition and be like, oh yes, you deserve our attention. And I feel like people who really really like rock, they're like. If it's if it's not ACDC, if it's not Guns N' Roses, I don't want it. So it's difficult to to regain in mm. the rock scene, I guess. I think a lot of it, Ben, has to do with the fact that there are there are less music magazines. Really? You think music magazines were that? Music magazines were, you know, the seeing bands on covers. Uh, of magazines for some reason it's an it's a intricate part of rock and roll and obviously television performances so think of it this is my theory in the 70s which we could we consider the 70s to be one of the golden periods of rock music yeah one of them yeah because yeah. The, in the 70s obviously in the 60s people started having television sets in their houses but in the 70s nearly every household had a television set and TV shows would sometimes start having these rockers on, you know, and all of a sudden, you, you know, imagine living in some dreary town where everyone looks the same and everyone's just going to work and carrying, and all of a sudden you switch on the television and you see Black Sabbath, you know, you see Ozzy Osbourne, you see David Bowie. So many people have spoken about seeing David Bowie on top of the pops for the first time. And it's, it's like, wait, this man wearing colored hair, red hair and makeup, being androgynous and, and being totally different to the kind of men that I run into in the pub. You know, it's I can understand the transformative power that people would speak of rock back in those days. And now you have Internet, right? We, we're constantly glued to screens and, it, and the, the rock message has been so diluted that it's interesting because now we have all this, you know, one minute I'm a, I'm a rock star, but the next minute I'm a trap star. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. But um, I, I kind of miss there being a, mag uh, you know, when you, when you go to the kiosk and like the, all the sort of seven top magazines have the same band on the cover. I miss that. And that would help create a message among the people of wow this is the band that everyone should listen to i feel it's more like a diffusion of everything really because like these days you can get exactly what you want so people who are fans of norwegian black metal can go to norwegian black metal punk com or whatever and get that <laughs> and there's you know so you don't tend to get those bands who who just unite everyone or that many bands you know because you could be like You can get exactly what you want. You don't. You don't. You don't need them in a way. And I, I miss that. I miss having that that one. But you know, you like I might listen to Suede, and you might listen to like Pearl Jam. But we we both like Nirvana or something like that. Having yeah. that, that one kind of thing. And also, 
I think this might be a bit problematic for festivals at some point because you can't keep on booking Metallica and Guns N' Roses to come back <laughs> and, and do it again. And if you look at Reading Festival, Reading and Leeds Festival, all respect them, all respect them because, you know, they do a good job. But it, it does just seem that the same bands at Red Hot, Chili Peppers, come back. Okay, they, they have they have sort of um, rap artists as well. But it, it's it's tricky for them because, as you say, since Arctic Monkeys, no one has really has really come along to, to replace them. And obviously there's been a lot of that talk about the very male and stale genre that rock ended up becoming, right? As mm-hmm. you say, you know, you, you see these festival bills and, oh, again, all these like uh, male bands and rockers and stuff and all and, and their fans. And it just, it's like, oh, let's leave room for, for, for something else, right? Something different. And uh, that brings us to the next artist we're going to be talking about, Andre. Hit it! Yeah, it's been a long night and the mirror's telling me to go home But it's been a long time since I felt this good on my own uh, A lot of years went by with my hands tied up in your ropes Forever and ever, no more the Midnight Sky. Midnight Sky. Ma, I think you need to tell us about this. Tell us about the journey of, of yes. Miley Cyrus. Come on, tell, you've been on a journey, right? She, yeah, she's. I saw a tweet that I, I feel like uh, makes the best um, example of what we're going to talk about. That it said, when is this woman? She, it was a cover of Miley um, covering Blondie. And, and this girl said, when is Miley gonna realize that her she is made to be a rock star or her voice is made to be on the rock scene? And the time is now. She has finally realized she's she is a rock star. She's, she has to... Mm, she began with country, her roots, her father is country, her father is really really Cyrus, <laughs> but she is a rock star and it has always been inside of her, I feel like. I feel like in each album she put out, she was kind of getting closer, but not quite. Like she would kind of know that something was off. I like her previous albums, but it felt good but not quite and i think the next one is that's coming that's called plastic hearts and miley has confirmed that after we all bullied her into making a rock album she's finally doing one and i think this is going to feel the this is going to be the best miley era we had can i just i've just realized something maybe you all knew about this but did you know that uh, billy ray cyrus had an alternative rock uh band as well i did not know uh brother clyde Wow. Yeah. yeah, but alternative rock, according to Wikipedia, can sometimes be uh, Nickelback. <laughs> 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 what kind of? It's not exactly like he was in Sonic Youth. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't the sort of uh, good old boy country that he, that he sold so many records. But he's on. good at it. But Miley is well. She's good at everything. But her spirit is rock. It's true. I totally agree. I mean, she's got that horsey horse voice. And the cover of uh, Blondie's Heart of Glass d- demonstrated it's like, wow, she, 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 she actually brought something new to that song, which has been covered a hundred thousand times. But you know why I think she's also got the ultimate rock credentials? Her dodgy haircuts. Yes. Miley has a very, very has the problem that all rock icons, female rock icons have had, which is bad hairstyles. <laughs> it's not a problem. They make, they turn it into their ally, right? 
Hair is important in rock and roll. Fleabag said it best. Hair is everything. <laughs> Their haircut has to be as rebellious as the music, and nothing rebels quite as much as Miley's hair against herself. The pixie cut, in my opinion, was probably her most flattering style. But whenever she tries the bangs, whatever's happening in the back, it, it frames her face without harmony, right? To be taken seriously as a rock icon, you've got to try the DIY haircut. And COVID pandemic, not only has it taught Kylie to use ProLogic to edit her own vocals, it's meant that Miley has had to cut her own hair at home. Well, with the aid of her mother, Tish Cyrus, right? Apparently, Tish cut her hair whilst being guided by her professional hairstylist, ha Sally Hirschberger, through FaceTime. Why do I know this shit? <laughs> I read Teen Vogue. So, <laughs> so, the world has been treated to a combination of a mullet and a pixie cut. A pullet! Oh as my Teen Vogue. God. <laughs> Absolutely success, sub suggest. So... And let's not forget that before he embraced the hair flattening iron, Billy Ray was the king of the mullet. Right? Yeah. The thing is, now he's gone for this yeah. Ke Keith Urban kind of hairstyle, which is horrible. <laughs> Why do they do that? Why do men iron their hair? It's 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 just not meant. It's not meant to be. Um, but yeah, I I'm, 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 I think. Uh, what do you think? What, what do you, <laughs> Mar, what do you think, think about Miley's haircut? She looks amazing. She makes me want to get a mullet. And uh, ah! I, I know I wouldn't look good with a mullet, but she looks that good. And her makeup, her outfits, everything. She has the aesthetics down to the point it's perfect. She she has gotten there because the previous album, I didn't like it. Um, what was it called? Um, She's Coming or something like that. She was kind of getting there she was yeah kind of um with the rockstar outfit not kind of rockstar uh, saddle basic outfit and now she she has everything and i can't wait for the album because she looks amazing she's putting out amazing covers um, i don't know i think she is very comfortable with herself and it shows can i just say i think the mullet is a very catalan hairstyle <laughs> Yes, yes. They do, I they do. see that. You, on the streets of Barcelona, you see a lot of mullets. <laughs> and the Basque country, Euskadi. There's something about the north of Spain and countries that want to become independent, uh, cities that want to become independent, that the mullet is the, the independence haircut. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like saying, it's classic, isn't it? It's like, you can't tie me down to one hairstyle. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm too independent for I'm, that. Exactly. <laughs> I want to have two things going on at once. We've, business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> <laughs> We've utterly trivialized the notion of independence, for sorry. But <laughs> Through a haircut. Yeah, but I, I've, I've been obsessed with mullets. You know, I grew up in the 80s and, and it's I, I was envied because I never grew out a mullet. I could have. I could have done the Lionel Richie kind of Jerry Curl <laughs> mullet, but my mother wasn't agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did I. But um, I must say, the previous album, I think Miley was playing it safe because she had all that backlash after Bangers and especially that VMA performance yeah, with Robin Thicke. Bangers was super good. I loved that album. I don't know why everyone hated it so much. I, I feel like when time passes, people are going to go back and be like, oh, she was actually good. We were just very narrow-minded. And then she played it safe because she was scared and now she is feeling comfortable and, and she I don't think she cares if people like it or not. And she knows before releasing that people will like it, so it makes it made her even more comfortable. But yes, you can tell that by in the last album she was not not in her zone yeah. yet. She was kind of trying to find what she's putting out now. Well, another interesting thing I, I find about Miley Cyrus is that if you go back to Miley Cyrus and the Dead Pets album that she mm -hmm. made with the Flaming Lips, it's actually you know it didn't get. 
first of all, she didn't release it officially with her record label. They allowed her to release it for free on online, which is something that you've never heard of in well you rarely hear of in major label um, business history right uh, and the, uh, the the album you go back to it now and it sounds way better than i remember the reviews of the time um it's considered a predecessor of today's rule breaking um, this is um, according to wikipedia right mm-hmm. it's been considered as a predecessor of today's rule breaking tradition flipping pop scene like lana del rey teasing a pro- project called Norman fucking Rockwell with a single that lasts nearly 10 minutes Billie Eilish leading a generation of streetwear clad teens with possibly the darkest pop top 40 has uh, darkest, darkest pop top 40 has ever seen and Ariana Grande dropping two albums in six months where the swiftness and swagger with the swiftness and swagger of a SoundCloud rapper damn my reading um, so I, I've been going back to that album and uh, may Andre play a little bit of it in the background Miley Cyrus is, uh, she made a song with uh, Ariel Pink, uh, who is, you know, just like Flaming Lips, he's also quite into his psychedelics, basement kind of lo-fi tape recordings. And uh, it's like when Kylie did Imagining, um, Imagine Princess? No, Impossible Princess? Yeah. Where she was making music with Manic Street Preachers and she was going for that experimental sound. It was a critical failure and a commercial failure but it reinforced her as a creator right as an artist and the same thing with Miley so she's done the alternative album she's hung out mm-hmm. she hangs out with Wayne Coyne and the Flaming Lips she, she's she's left that mainstream area where there's all these yay sayers and people only giving advice on this sells this sells and all of a sudden she's like no 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 let me hang out with some real creative people who dare to take risks and I think this all that experience is finally going to be um yeah condensed into this new album which by the way the graphic design of the cover uh, reminds a lot of uh, a New York punk band called well punk uh, hard rock band called Plasmatics who were fronted by the legendary iconic Wendy O. Williams who Miley may be channeling whose image Miley may be channeling for this album can I can I say something about 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 Miley Cyrus Mm -hmm. right um, and the new album. Like, I really like Midnight Sky. I think it's a really great track. But like, the thing is, I kind of think almost the way that, that you can see evidence that she was working towards a rock album. But she's almost done so many things. You can see evidence of her like w- w- moving towards almost anything, if you see what mm-hmm. I mean. Sometimes I'm not quite sure um, who Miley Cyrus is, if you see what I mean. Like, And for example, I was just looking at the production for the new album. And since production started in 2018, she's worked on uh, with numerous artists on the project, including, and take a deep breath, Dua Lipa, Alma, Mark Ronson, Max Martin, Mike Will, made at the Neptunes, Andrew White, Billy Idol, Reddy, uh, Ryan Tedder, Andrew Watt, and Ali Tamposi. So, it, it just, I, I don't know, sometimes I wonder if she should focus somewhat, you know? Or is that, am I being too harsh? No, because that's, that's the way these kind of artists work. You know, that I can imagine them. They're, it's not like she's going to, just stay with Wayne Coyne and like, oh, let's just hang out with your stoner friends and see what happens. She moves a lot of money. She makes a lot of money for a lot of people, right? This is what happens with, you know, we were talking about Britney the other day. You know, these are artists that they can't re- release themselves from those shackles that easily. So Miley still has to play that game where she has co-writes, co-eds with people like Pharrell Williams and stuff. Because I think she's got contractual obligations, you know, even though they let her. And obviously, this isn't hard rock we're talking about. This is the kind of 80s pop rock that even Stevie Nicks was doing when she went solo, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very good as well. What's that 
Pat Benatar song, uh, heartache to heartache. You know, it's that kind of um, leather clad pop rock, which is always trendy. It's always trendy. It's always very fashionable. So, you know, as long as there's a mullet in there, you know, a lot of <laughs> hair salons are going to have new customers. Will she save rock? Well, yes, okay, good. <laughs> it, exactly, well, this is the but thing. Depending on what you understand by rock, I, I think she's a good way for me to to like rock, to go back, because thanks to her, I've been going back to Blondie and lots of other artists who are rock, and I like them, but she, she has reminded me that I like them and has brought me back to them. So I think this is a good way of seeing if someone is good at bringing things back with their new songs. See, this is the thing. Classic rock always sells. It's like Queen with the whole Bohemian Rhapsody movie, how all of a sudden it shot to number one, because younger generations just need to be um, um, reminded that this once existed, and once they realize it, they take it for themselves and they shoot it to the top of the charts. Fleetwood Mac. Exactly, that's crazy. Uh, the power of TikTok. I think I, I am, I am the spokesperson of TikTok. But <laughs> Fleetwood Mac, it's crazy how it. I have the numbers. It has gone up by a hundred and eighty-four percent up. Uh, the the sales of um, Dreams, uh, the song that's mm -hmm. been charting, Perfect. and two hundred and forty-two percent up on streaming um, on the streaming platform. So. It's crazy what TikTok can do, and TikTok has done this. TikTok has bullied Miley into putting the Heart of Glass cover into Spotify, into releasing the rock album sooner than maybe it was expecting, and um, branding it more as a rock album maybe than she would have. And and I see that the power of people and and platforms and everything is. is shown. Can I just say I don't like Fleetwood Mac, and I meant <laughs> I, I feel like a sort of leper or outcast yes. in the you, world you totally not, not, not liking Fleetwood Mac these days it's like no, no one liked them when I was growing up and like this, the, the perceptions just totally changed like they went sort of one year from being like the least cool thing possible to like everyone literally everyone like them I've tried I've gone back I just can't be asked. they're so good especially for for now fall and everything I've been listening to the album and feeling, feeling totally perfect like yes this is meant to be like this the fall I, the leaves are falling yes Fleetwood Mac um, on the background perfect see you know what I love about Fleetwood Mac is they always made music like they were millionaires like it's <laughs> whereas if ACDC or bands like that used to make their their first albums were made when they were poor and unemployed and, and, and angry at the world and all of a sudden you know when you go to an ACD show or a U2 or any of those shows and you're surrounded by bankers and, and, and people who've done very well for themselves it's like nah, this isn't really true to its origins but Fleetwood Mac always made music that felt like it had to be listened to in, in a very nice mansion in the Hollywood Hills I don't know it, they never sounded poor even well at least when Fleetwood Mac since Lindsay Buckingham and um, Stevie Nicks joined uh, when they were a blues band, band. I can't really care for them much, but oh, I've seen them live twice and yeah. two of the best I, gigs ever. I once invented a dance to go with Fleetwood Mac called the Isolated Mansion Dance. You had to dance like you were feeling isolated in a mansion. You just I reminded. love that concept. I can't remember how it went, but like, <laughs> I think it was basically, I don't think anyone actually saw it. The name was all important. Can I, can I say something while I'm on this tirade of, of filth? <laughs> I cannot stand Zombie. I cannot stand it by the Cranberries. I cannot stand it by Miley Cyrus. I'm really sorry. <gasps> oh, That's controversial. But, but, um, but you see, that was a very empowering song when it came out, you know, and, and rest in, may she rest in peace, Dolores O'Riordan. She's been one of the great 
um, rock vocalist, even though the Cranberries aren't traditionally rock. You know, it's more pop rock or, you know. But speaking of shipping, uh, yeah. I would love an album or at least a song or two of Miley Cyrus being guided or, or co-writing, co-written with Brody Dahl from the, the, the Distillers. Remember the band uh, Brody Dahl used to date Josh Homm? And she, had yes, a, she yes, has a yeah, punk yeah, band yeah, called yeah. The Distillers. She has a similar kind of vocal rage, a similar kind of growl. And if Miley covered a Distillers song or if, or if Brody wrote a song for her, like a proper punk rock number, that would be a, my shipping of the, of the decade. <laughs> no, of the decade, of the year, of the month. Let's not be so ambitious. Anyway, moving on. Who is keeping rock, al- rock alive? Listen to this. Machine Gun Kelly, is this this your generation's answer to Kurt Cobain, I wonder? Mar, what do you think of Machine Gun it Kelly? It doesn't always have to be compared, but, but I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you so made bad. me feel bad for being born losing. in 1997. Um, what I, Hang on. Oh, you never even shared the earth with Kurt Cobain. No. No. Wow. Sorry. You were born in 97, the mm. same year as Youngblood, who we're going to be talking about in a second. Look at that. There we go. The, the thing is that it's starting to make me feel old, is that these people are like making throwbacks or reminding me of bands that I used to listen when I was younger. So this kind of Green Day-ish, right? Yeah. And I feel like, oh, such a throwback. Or And people who are younger than me might be like, their Nirvana is kind of Green Day, right? So I'm old in the sense that the new singers are reminiscing of singers that were out when I was young. So I think not it's not the new Nirvana, but the new Green Day kind of punk commercial thing that was going on when I was like 10. Is Machine Gun Kelly a rapper? Well, this is well, the thing. What's, what's this going is, on? So this is why I wanted to talk about it on this show, because Machine Gun Kelly uh, was kind of, you could lump him in with the sort of emo trap kids of this generation and uh, a bit of a rapper uh, signed to Interscope, like so many great bands of the 90s, Tupac, Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, Gwen Stefani, I don't know. Everyone who was cutting edge in mainstream music was on Interscope. So all of a sudden here we have Machine Gun Kelly. And uh, one thing that, well, it says a lot in his favor, but doesn't in, 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 in the favor of Eminem, was the fact that Eminem stooped down to have a, a, a diss track, a few, dis, a few dissing tracks against, well, back and forth with Machine Gun Kelly, which is kind of sad, really, because what are you doing, Eminem? You're a millionaire 45-year-old, you know, you've, you you don't have anything left to prove, but his last albums, you know, t- talking of business as usual, Eminem. I mean, they've they've done decently in the Billboard, but that doesn't really mean anything. It's not like his relevance is as it used to be back in the day. Whereas ACDC do have a relevance mm-hmm. among their fans. Kylie has revel- relevance mm-hmm. with her fans, but Eminem, I think he his hasn't legacy aged properly. I think. It's because he, he doesn't get today. Like uh, I think the last album or the last few albums, there were kind of homophobic 
things towards Tyler, the creator, and his friends, and it was like, you really do not get the age we're living in, right? Like, why? That that's not a diss track that's relevant today. Like, ah, uh, I don't, I don't like him. I know people really like him, but I, I don't think he gets today. Well, it's like Billie Eilish watching him perform at the Academy Award ceremony. It's like, what, what? Why is Eminem coming out now to sing an eight-mile song, Lose Yourself in This Ceremony? It's, plus, they were talking about how black lives, you know, uh, there wasn't enough black representation in Hollywood. All of a sudden, you bring the white rapper on. It's like, <laughs> seriously? Okay, no, fair enough. You know, and hey, I, I, I was, you know, I, I saw all that Marshall Mathers explosion and stuff and... I think he just became his legacy is he's the patron saint of uh, angry white incels, uh, which I don't think is a very sexy <laughs> legacy. You know, whereas you know you can sort of say many negative things about ACDC's macho bravado kind of toxic masculinity. What is, I want to say toxic. It's just very, you know, men going through midlife crisis, buying a Harley Davidson, listening to ACDC, whatever. But. Uh, Eminem, who is one of the most talented rappers, I will give him that, and he had an incredible way with with syllables. But the fact that he was stooping down to take a, you know, taking time out of his day to focus on what Machine Gun Kelly was saying mm -hmm. about him and and responding to him, I think it was a disservice, if you'll allow me. <laughs> so so time is going on. We've got very little time okay. oh, uh, uh, as ever. So you want to talk about Young Blood? Well, no, but Youngblood is uh, the UK answer to Machine Gun Kelly, and that's uh, that's an interesting shipping and a real-life shipping. They're BFFs. They're very close. They they, they get on famous fabulously, and Machine um, Youngblood is also uh, ex-boyfriend to Halsey. Yeah. I think they're to back together, actually. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> well, apparently they went to Black Lives Matter protests together, Cute. and get a hold of this. They both they they Halsey and uh, Youngblood had undergone. First aid, uh, first aid training, so that they could assist protesters who were hurt by those uh, rubber yes, bullets. I shot saw by pictures of Halsey curing people with band-aids and things, and yeah. I was like, oh, okay. It's like, damn, music promotion has become very interesting. You know, that's a good way of putting your name out there. Um, I think that's not a bad thing. I, at first, I was a little bit horrified by Youngblood. I'm like, this isn't really my cup I think of tea. They're all cool. I think the change that Machine Gun Kelly has gone through is good because I used to know him as the guy who had beef with Eminem and now I think he really fits this aesthetic that he's going for. I think no one has this place of punk, punk pop going on so he can take the spot easily because there's no one there. And with other people like Youngblood and Halsey, maybe she's kind of hinted that she wanted to put out a rock album as well, so maybe they are a trio of new punk rock stars going on. So I, I like their what they're going for. Ian Mackay must be very unamused. Turning in his... Oh, no, 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 no. I, I was <laughs> about to say that. He's like, no, no, Ian Mackay, reunite for Ghazi, for God's sakes. So Let's teach the kids how it's done. Before we go, we need to flag up two big rock interviews we did. You interviewed Idols. How were they? Idols, amazing. I mean, this says a lot about the times we're living in. People are so... Just like at the end of the 70s, people are weary of the future. It's like there's going to be no future. Well, now there is with a bit of a cure or not. But um, Idols' third album has reached the number one spot in the UK, Ultramono, uh, becoming the fastest-selling vinyl release of 2020, which is very good news. And it's like, wow, what does it take for one of the most uh, prominent Yelpers to become mainstream? Well, a lot of 
social dissatisfaction. What about you, Ben? Who have you talked to? Dead Kennedys, yes. classic American punk band. Um, one of my favourite bands when I was a kid. Really enjoyed it. Really, really, really lovely, lovely people. What um, was the takeaway from that? What was your sense? What was the, your feeling? Are they? They are. I would like to be one of the members of Dead Kennedys when I hit like 55 like so like they just seem really happy with everything they did they're happy to talk about it it's not like oh no don't ask about that ask about the races they're happy to talk about the old album very happy with where they are absolutely lovely lovely people um, which was great because you know they say don't meet your heroes don't interview them on Zoom but there we go they were great so well punk pop seems to be very much alive and kicking with albums by a young Machine Gun Kelly and all these kids who want to just keep selling music I don't know where they sell it on MTV or YouTube or whatever kids take a leaf out of the booklet what did Kurt Cobain listen to before he started a band Dead Kennedys was probably in there um, <laughs> Boston <laughs> more than a feeling that's where he got the riff probably. for Smells Like Teen Spirit dun, 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 dun. we're gonna have to say goodbye goodbye okay. with this it's been Bye. a pleasure Bye. Cold cards, Come on, 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 come on,